Conventional disciple of Jesus, Pastor Aaron, and it is great to be together with you today for our last uh, uh, worship in the park for this year. I hope you've had enjoyed this. It's great to have both services together on that. And uh, as we begin today, uh, a couple things just to get us started. Of course, I'll, in front of you, you should have one of these binders. If not, sit closer to somebody else. And as we begin, there some tools there that you want to uh, see. There, first thing uh, you'll notice is going to be your your green connection card. If you wouldn't mind taking that out. And, Fill that out for me. Let me know that you're here. And then later on in the service, we're going to take an offering. You can drop that in the offering basket as it's passed. And I sure appreciate it if you would. Of course, on the back side of that, we're going to uh, come back to it later on in the service. There's some next steps there as well as a place to write your prayer requests. And I encourage everyone to write your prayer requests on there knowing that uh, we'll be uh, privileged to be able to pray for you this week. And God does some pretty amazing things as we do that. Uh, if you're a guest here this morning, special welcome to you. So glad that happy day. I encourage you to. Stay afterwards to get to know folks. We have a, a potluck or a fellowship meal. We're able, uh, and don't worry if you didn't bring anything. There's always plenty of food, and it's just a joy to have you with us today. Uh, as we begin uh, to fill up those connection cards, a couple of things just to announce. The first one is about so announcements. We had a uh, Mexico missions team that got back. They, they were been gone for a couple weeks and did some amazing work. And so uh, what we've asked is uh, Jim Hopper on that team to come forward to share just briefly about some of the things that they've, they've done. And... Uh, so, Jim, share a little about that trip. Hey, good morning, everybody. So, when it comes to missions, short-term or long-term, there are the senders and there are the goers, and our church is blessed with both. Uh, the mission, on behalf of the missions team, I'd like to thank everybody for the generosity. Our church just was above and beyond on the amount of money that they donated for the trip, helped us reduce the cost of our trip, paid for construction supplies, uh, we were able to leave money with them for future construction. Some of the highlights of the trip, and by the way, in two weeks, we'll have a much more comprehensive um, talk about this. We'll show some slides and stuff between the two services. So some highlights. We had a children's ministry, tons of kids running around crazy and hearing about Jesus. Women's ministry, they just wouldn't stop, even when it was time to quit at 4 o'clock. They kept on going. We had a sports ministry where we had at least one young man accept Christ. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. We had an evening ministry one night where we showed the Jesus film and we uh, gave out free hot dogs, bacon wrapped hot dogs, stuff like that. And we had a whole family come to Christ. So what do you think about that? Yeah. And then we had the construction ministry. On behalf, of the, on behalf of the church, we paid last April to have about, what was it, 120 feet of metal railing put in on the second and the third floor where you just walked out and fell down onto the concrete. And so we were able to go back this time after our church paid to have that put up. We went back and had a huge painting deal. Tanya Jimenez uh, headed that up. We were able to prime and paint 120 feet of railing, and it looks awesome. And then they've got a weird construction technique where it's something like drywall, but it's fiberglass. It goes up on the ceiling of those, of those of where the railings are. We put all that, we put up about half of that and bought all the rest, and then we left them with a big chunk of money to have that stuccoed later. And then finally, did I, did I miss a ministry? So you got kids. Women's. Women's men. Yeah, I said women's. They're the ones that went and stopped talking. 
So anyway, lots of fun, lots of good food. And as an added bonus, the church contributed enough that we gave Pastor Roberto and his wife Betty $5,000 to take a cruise. They've never done anything like that before. So yeah, I just want to thank everybody again for the generosity and come in a couple weeks and hear more and see some pictures. Thank you, Jim. I welcome you home and also all of our Mexico Mission team. And thank you for your good work there. And also, as Jim said, uh, everyone's on mission. Uh, some go, some send, and you all sent. And not just with finances, thank you for your generosity with that, but also with your prayers. And, uh, as I talked to different missions, uh, the missionaries as they came back, uh, they all shared over and over again what an amazing thing that they got to see and that God answered our prayers. There was unity and harmony in that. The people came to Christ. And then he said it was one of the best experiences they've had. And, uh, and that has a lot to do with there's a lot of support and prayer support that happened here. So uh, thank you for that. So what we want to do is just take a moment to praise God because every time God does something good, we should give him thanks for that. And then we'll get the rest of it up. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We, we prayed for many months in preparation of this missions team uh, and this trip to Mexico. And uh, once again, you, uh, you so surpassed even our greatest expectations. Father, for those families and for those, that young man who accepted you and Jesus as a Lord and Savior, I pray that you would protect them and help them grow strong in the faith. Father, Pastor Roberto, continue to expand his ministry. And I pray all the things that uh, that this team did over Mexico would be investments in your kingdom that would bear even bigger results as time goes on. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, some other uh, important announcements that we have, uh, you're going to find that on your yellow sheet that's inside of your your bulletin. Uh, but one thing that you're not going to see in there is that we have uh, a family that's been here with us for a while. And uh, one of them is uh, uh, the husband, Jason Weber, is a deacon here at the church and has been helping us do the sound. That's why you can watch online and why I don't squeak when I talk right here. It's been amazing. But uh, we've been praying for quite a bit of time for wisdom for them and direction. Uh, they've got some uh, challenges with the education and things like this. And God has directed them, unfortunately, outside of Estes. And, uh, but, but we know that God has got great things for them. So Jason and Cassie and, uh, and their kiddos, we just want to thank you for your, your many years of good service. But they'll be here next week. If you get a chance to welcome and just thank Jason personally for all the work that he's done, really, especially when through the pandemic and when we needed uh, audio, visual, all those things so much, just the dedication that's there. And of course, Cassie being one of the most interesting people in Estes Park, I mean, by fair election, uh, just an amazing family. And we're going to pray for you now, just as God blesses you as you make this next step in your life. So please join me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Weathers and uh, for just their heart for you and the way that uh, they serve you. Father, we pray your blessing over their family. And Lord, you've answered our prayers. We've been asking for a while for direction and for guidance, and you've given it. And just to hear the story of how you've, you've made that provision in such a rich and wonderful way, it reminds us again that our prayers do not go uh, to an empty void, but to the ears Here's what Father who hears us. So, Father, now as they uh, obediently take steps, and it was hard for them to leave this community, Lord, that you would open up new doors and uh, help lead them to a healthy and a good church. We pray for their children, that they would grow and be, have great education, but also, Father, that you would bless them richly as they, they move on and to serve you and to grow their family and this, this next chapter in life. Father, for us, the church, too, opens up opportunities for more to serve. Father, uh, there's big shoes to fill. So, Father, help us to not take a step back, but to step ahead as we continue to build your kingdom and your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. 
And uh, as you say that, uh, there are some opportunities. And Jason does help with the audiovisual. He was our deacon of that. And now there's going to be an opening there, some opportunities. So if you have some tech skills, or even if you don't, would like to learn some tech skills about how to make things work here, uh, we do have a little bit of time. We'd love to train you and to make sure that our friends online, as well as everybody in the audience, is able to hear me as I preach. Uh, so let me know that. If you want like to help, you can write video on your connection card, and we will contact you and help you step into serving God and investing your kingdom that way. All right, there are lots of other uh, uh, great things, announcements, things that are happening in the church. You're going to find on a yellow sheet in this wonderful binder that you have there. But uh, since I don't take, want to take any more time on that, let's just uh, uh, let's pray for the service and let's get to the Lord and worship. Please join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this time and for this uh, opportunity to come bring you worship. That's what we want to do. So Father, may we praise what happens here today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me as we uh, join in singing. And would you stand with us this morning?
together. Let us remember who it is that we pray to. That we pray to Jesus, our living hope. The one who sets us free. The one who loves us with a depth that we cannot fathom. And that he longs to hear from us. Every single one of us. And so this morning, whether you lift your prayers aloud or speak only in your heart, let us remember who it is that we pray to lift our prayers to our God together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the mercy that you show us, for the grace that you give us, for your boundless, abundant gifts. We praise you for all that you give us. We praise you for the place we live. We praise you for the family and the friends that we have. But most of all, we praise you for being you. We ask, Lord, that as we lift these prayers up this morning, you would fill our minds and our hearts with your spirit, so that as we pray, we can do so in line with your spirit. Father, as we lift up our prayers this morning, we know 
humble that you hear us. We trust in the love that you have for us, that you will respond to our prayers, that you will give us everything that we need in order to overcome every trial and every temptation, but also that we trust that you will give us everything we need to share your glory with all those around us so that we can be true ministers of your kingdom with everything that we do. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we enter into this time of communion, take those little prepackaged cups in front of you, open them up, and hold on to the piece of bread and hold on to the cup. We'll take them all together in just a moment. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 11, we read this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let us now take a moment to do exactly that. To look inside of our minds and inside of our hearts. To examine ourselves and make sure that we are laying every sin, every ounce of darkness before the cross of Christ.
We pray all of this in the most holy and most powerful name of Jesus Christ. got your Bibles, you're going to pull them out. But we are about two-thirds of the way through the Sermon on the Mount we've been covering this summer and see Jesus' great declaration of God's kingdom and, of course, the greatest, most impactful message ever given throughout time of the Sermon on the Mount. So it's good for us to spend some time as we go through it. And uh, today, Jesus talks about something very practical, kind of hits close to home for every human ever, and that is money. Uh, so something that uh, actually one of his favorite topics talks about it more than heaven and hell and lots of other things. And there's a reason for that is that uh, money has a lot of power and influence in our lives. In fact, scripture even says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not the money's not all not the root of all evil, but the love of it sure causes a lot of problems in the world. And I think a lot of us in this world, uh, because of uh, uh, how we are impacted, how the effects of the fall, you know, really hit us. We're supposed to eke out a living in this world. It's, it's kind of hard. Uh, a lot of times, money kind of puts us in our place. You think about uh, how many people, you know, like classes or uh, uh, castes or whatever throughout history, whatever opportunities you may have. A lot of that has been throughout history and even our own lives or experiences of what we can and can't do. Is oftentimes, it's restricted by how much money we have. And, uh, and so because of this, money's power and things like this, we find that it has a lot of control over most of our lives. But Jesus brings a different kind of kingdom, and he came to set us free not just from the, uh, the burden of the sin that we have. He didn't just come to transform us from the depravity that was in us. He also came to, so we could live a whole different kind of life in God's kingdom. And part of that has to do with how we have the opportunity now to have a different place, have a different relationship with money. In fact, we have the incredible position to be able, instead of being controlled by money, to be able to put money in its place, which is a lot of fun. So with that, if you have your Bible, I encourage you, why don't you open them with me to Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 6 today as uh, we are uh, continuing our series through the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to start at verse 19, and this is one of the longest teachings or sections in the Sermon on the Mount, as uh, you know, Jesus comes up and he talks about different topics, and uh, this one is, is a little bit longer because I think of the impart of it. And let's put this into context. Uh, he begins the Sermon on the Mount, the first uh, portion of it. That Jesus gives us the, the kingdom principles, uh, important things like the kingdom of God is going to be personal before it's public, right? Before it becomes a political thing, it's got to be real inside, which was not what the people expected. That's not what humans we expect, right? We want to have a political leader or a great leader would impose Christian rule or law or morality from the top down and just make people good that way. But Jesus said, no, no, no. He's the Messiah and he's going to be different. He's going to change us. And it's going to be a personal thing. And there's going to be a personal transformation that begins to grow. And that's how the world will be changed. He also talked about his, the kingdom of God, the principle there is it requires faith. That God's kingdom is not something that's going to always make sense to you. You're going to live his way, not your way. Which means it's also going to require faithfulness. It's going to require obedience. That there is no way to live in God's kingdom according to your best understanding. Because your best understanding lives to your life. And Jesus didn't come to give you your life. Praise God. He came to save you from your life. So it requires faith and faithfulness. And, it's going to, and he tells us that right up front. And not only that, he says it's going to be worth it. That one of the kingdom principles of us living in this life, knowing that, yeah, there's going to be short-term sacrifice. There are going to be times in the world that the things aren't going to make sense. But it is absolutely. 
absolutely worth it. There is nothing that this world can offer that can even begin to compare what God is giving us. The kingdom of God is a worth it thing. And after he gives us these principles, he talks about what the kingdom of God is like. He spends like a good chunk of space really going through and then talking about what's the character of God's kingdom. That Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That, he, he also, that, that God's law wasn't like religious law or like legal law, which are these, these cages that we, we stick ourselves in to keep the beast inside from doing bad things. That the kingdom of God wasn't going to be a, a holy zoo in which there are saints stuck in cages, not hurting each other, because, because, but they're still nasty on the inside, but they sure look nice. No, he, he came to transform us, that we wouldn't be the beasts anymore. We're going to be the kind of people in the kingdom of God that aren't going to murder one another, because we're not going to be murderers. In fact, we're not going to be haters. That's going to be an amazing thing. In the kingdom of God, there's going to be no contracts. We don't have the cages of contracts and, and, and all of these uh, vows and things we have to give to keep us to be honest. Now, the kingdom of God, we're just going to tell the truth. How great is that? In the kingdom of God, we're not going to have to have rules and laws to make sure that we're, we're faithful to one another, that we, we're honoring to other people and, and that we treat them well. Now, in the kingdom of God, we're going to be honoring and faithful just as a core of who we are. Because that's what the law was intended to do, is to be filled. And so he goes through and he talks about how the kingdom of God, how God's going to do a transformation, how he's going to make us into the people that are worthy of walking in those golden streets. That has us the power of God's kingdom, not another religion to stick us into another pretty cage, but to be free, fully free, as he changes us from the inside out. And now we begin this third major movement in the Sermon on the Mount starting today, this week. Where then Jesus begins to talk about that there is a, there's a different kind of lifestyle that we have the privilege of living in as part of being God's kingdom. And from here on out to the end of the sermon, Jesus talks about kingdom living and what that looks like. And it is so profoundly different, so much better than anything that the world has ever seen before. It is the most amazing way of life. And of course he begins with this new way that we get to live Especially in terms of how we deal with money. And so Jesus begins, and this is his teaching, starting with verse 19. He says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy. Store for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break it and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is a lamp to the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? To no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable today? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And... Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? 
They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? Will you a little faith? So, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh, the passage is amazing. An invitation to a whole different relationship with things on this earth an invitation out of the anxiety that grips humanity and has since the fall. You see, when the Adam and Eve fell, part of the curse was they didn't have the provision of God anymore. They had to eke out an existence and battle with the nature that was now broken. But now Jesus declares a new kingdom. Now we can be united back with God. The benefits are there, and not just for the hereafter, but you hear this, it's very practical, but for here and now. Something not open to the world for, for millennia. And yet, he declares something amazing. He, he gives us a new way of life, in the most practical of ways. And why does he start with money? Because money, I think, in this world has been the most uh, powerful adversary or challenger to God's throne in people's hearts. And the reason that it is is because money seems to provide for us food, clothing, shelter, need, opportunity, power. The more you have of money, it seems like if money bestows its, its graces with you, then you're going to have all these wonderful things, which is why throughout history we've eked out livings and not just livings, but tried to gain more and more and more wealth, and we've served it with our entire lives. Entire civilizations do that. And as a result, I think a lot of people have an unhealthy relationship with money. Something which God created, well, has become something that dominates society. And do we see that today? Does money have influence today? Does it impact the way that our culture or our world operates? Do those who have the wealth and the power, not just as individuals, but as corporations and as governments, doesn't wealth have the ability to move the needle in how people live their lives? It dominates a lot of things. But Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way. And it won't be that way. At least not for us. And so how do we walk in this different way? This, to have a different relationship with wealth. To be able to, to stop being controlled by money. Instead for us to be able to be controlled by God. And to, to have power over the things that he had made. Including money. How do we get from here to there. But Jesus in this passage gives us a couple really important steps for this financial freedom, this, this, this peace that he calls us to. And the first thing he tells us is that if you want to have power over wealth, if you want to have control over money and stop having control, if you want to put it in this place, invest in God's kingdom. That's the first thing. And see, it says, don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break into steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves do not break into steal. See, that's a powerful thing because money tells us to invest our lives into it. It's the accumulation of it. It takes us 
and, and, and turns our lives into time and our talents, and it transforms these gifts that God has given us of life and turns it into a paycheck, turns us into to just the accumulation of things. And Jesus said, now you can turn it on its head. You can take those things, and now you can invest them in the eternal thing. You can make that money actually subservient to God. You get to choose. It, it makes no sense to the unbeliever why you would do that. You take your life, all the stuff you work so hard with, where you find your hope and your security, and right, you, you take this money and you just give it away to an invisible kingdom? That just seems lunacy. But the first step to financial freedom starts with this. It requires faith and faithfulness. God's kingdom is real. Look what he says there. He says right after, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We have to change what, what controls our lives. Remember last week we talked about fasting and why we do that? Because one of the things is that our spirit, right, wants to have more control over our, our lives, but our, more than our flesh. And how does our spirit gain more control, right, which is and our, our soul and our heart and our mind, which really kind of controls how we live our lives. How does our spirit get more control over that? Well, we feed the spirit, we starve the flesh. Well, Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If you're feeding your flesh with your wealth, your flesh is going to have more control over your life. You're going to find yourself, your life steered towards the kingdom of this world. You're going to continue to be dominated by things. And it's not going to, you're not going to have freedom from money. It's going to control you. Money is going to continue to direct how you live in life. The very first thing we need to do is to make money subservient to God's kingdom. The first thing, before anything else. But it doesn't end there. He goes to the next thing, which sounds a little strange at first. I mean, right after he has this great teaching, there's this little thing where he talks about your eye health, like optometrists, like put this in there or something like that. Drum up, you know, business. It says your eye is your left to your body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of, of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. But why was he talking about eye health in the midst of a conversation about wealth? Well, he's not. The issue here is what we focus on. And what we, what we focus on is what fills our lives. What you think about, what you set your goals to, what, what you set your eyes upon really direct where you go. It's like people in essence, we see them who don't know how to drive well and they, they drive wherever they're looking. Right? They see a mountain. Whoop, they're just driving up the mountain all of a sudden. Right? Whatever we're looking at is where we're going. Whatever we set our, cast our vision is what fills our soul. And for most people, they have their nose to the grindstone. All they're looking at is how can they survive? How can they eke out a living? How can they, they gain the wealth and the power that, that we can have? How do I keep it? That's all I'm looking at on the things of this world, and this world is dark. And I will tell you, if we continue to look at what we do not have, we continue to look at the brokenness of this world, we continue to look at the way that this, this world offers us no peace, no promises. Your life will be dark. If you're looking for an ad, if your hope and your future is, is that's what you're focused on is in this world, it's never going to fill you. How dark that is. So many times in Scripture, even from the Ten Commandments, what does it tell us? We're not supposed to look and envy at other people's things, whether people's spouses or what the things that they have. Why? Because when we're looking at what God is not giving me, what I think that I need and I deserve that I do not have, well then everything in my life is just wrapped by that. 
How much discontentment do we bring on ourselves because we look at this world thinking that it should offer us what only God can? So Jesus tells us in here not just to invest in the kingdoms, but we've got to focus on the kingdom. If you want your life to have life, if you want to have freedom from financial oppression, you have to change your, your, your whole, the whole way you view wealth, the whole way you view the world. See, I don't look at this world any longer as, as though this is, this is all there is. There is a kingdom come. Do you know that we're, we're here for just a blip of time? There's a lot of drama in this blip of time. Right? Tons of drama. It is a blip, my brothers and sisters. We're going to live forever. The kingdom of God has no end. This is, this is a, a place in which, which we have our, our opportunity to grow in faith. We get to demonstrate faithfulness. We get to choose our Savior. This, this is all power. Yet we focus our goals and our hopes so often on what this world can offer us. And I will tell you, this world will never satisfy. It can't because you'll die. People in this world, no one gets everything they want. And even if they do, they have to give it all away. That's why Jesus said, this is not what we're supposed to focus on. We're not designed to if you want to have financial peace, not as we invest in God's kingdom, we have to set our vision there. What is God doing? What is he doing now? What is he doing in my life? And I'll tell you, when you look for God, you will find him. In fact, you will always find what you look for. Isn't that true? God designed us that way. Right? It's just the way it is. It's not just for, you know, anything. It's like for all things. He put this thing, I love it, the name of it, the reticular activator system. God put it into your brain. And what it does is it filters out all the things that you're not looking for. That's why, like, if you're walking through a crowd, you can hear your friend's voice or your husband or wife's voice, right? Because your reticular activator silences everybody else and knows how to pick out those frequencies. It's like when you're buying a new car, right? Say you want to buy a yellow truck. All of a sudden, you see all kinds of yellow trucks all over the road. You didn't see them before, but now you do. Why? Reticular activator. But it works for everything. That's why marriage, if you want to have a bad marriage, just start looking for what's wrong with your spouse. You're going to see it. And it's going to filter out everything that's right with your spouse. But if you want to have a good marriage, start looking for what is right. You're going to see it. And if you want to see God's blessing in your life, start looking for it because it's there. If you want to see the kingdom of God, start looking for it because it's there. But if you want to see darkness in this broken world, surprise, you'll see it because it's there. If you want to have freedom over finance, we have to have a deeper, better relationship with God. We need to see the kingdom of life amongst us. I will tell you, it changes our whole attitude towards things. It changes how we live. So we start looking for the kingdom of life. As we focus on the kingdom, we get to then live for it. That's what Jesus moves to. Right after he says, you know, you can't, uh, if you just have your eyes filled with darkness, how great that darkness is, he says... No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I think he makes that pretty clear. That if we're looking at the kingdom of light, we should see the king of light. And that's who we need to be serving. But if you're looking at this world, this, is a, this physical world with all of its brokenness, who are we going to serve? The king of this world. And that's why so many of us become entrapped by money. 
We just see the things around us. And we do not see God. And therefore we get panicked. And we say, okay, I need some help. I need some hope. I don't see God in this. So I've got to take this under my own control. And then we begin to serve money. How do we serve money? Well, it dominates what we do, what we think. It could be our friends. It changes us, right? In fact, there are times when we say no to God so we can say yes to wealth. And yet, Jesus says it's not to be that way. God did not come to, to share his throne, especially with the dollar bill. He came to give us real freedom, and freedom comes in submission to him, ironically enough. And so oftentimes we find as Christians that we, we struggle with this, and, and especially as I was younger, and I was definitely not a tither or a giver, I, you know, I grew up Catholic, and so we, you know, you, you paid your money that you needed to at the days of obligation, but I didn't really ever give to God. At best, I gave to the church, right? And usually out of guilt, not an investment. Now, not all Catholics are that way, but that was this Catholic, and that's how I did it. So when I came to, to understanding who Jesus was and all of this, my understanding with God is like I would give to God when, when like uh, there was a pastor before me named Scott, when Pastor Scott would give a really good message, and I was like, oh, well, that was good, and I felt convicted. I would tip him. And I was like, hey, I was decent. Right? And, but, but I didn't really serve or work out money. And every time I would read about the tithe, I would read about giving in Scripture, it offended me. I was like, but that's my way. I work really hard for that. And God doesn't give me any extra. If he wanted me to give to him, then he would give me extra. And we're barely making it by. Because Amy and I were like 21 and 19, right? We were just barely. So I was like, God, that's just not a good way of doing things. You should, you know, I... I'm going to serve both God and money. I will serve you, God, but I also need to do my thing. You know what happened? Is this passage is absolutely true. Now, I began to really love God, but I had a very unhealthy relationship with money. I thought it was evil. I was like, anybody who has money must be evil. It's got to just be a bad thing. Money is no prize. It's root of all evil. It's not. It's root, the love of it isn't. But I didn't know that. I just thought I had a really sick understanding. Other people go the other way. Sometimes if they love money, they begin to hate God. Like, God's just after my stuff. And anytime a pastor talks about money in church, there are going to be people here that are going to be offended by that and say, the church just wants my stuff. I'm telling you, you're no different. You can't serve two masters. Jesus makes it very clear. And if you're feeling that conviction, good. If there's a hearken that Jesus is telling you today, come out of being a slave. There's a better way. So serve the king. Because it requires faith and faithfulness. And it's worth it. And it's got to be personal before it's a public thing. And so we have to serve the king. But you know, we don't just serve the king. Now it's the good news. We get to trust him as well. Because our king is a benevolent dictator. He is good. And he is loving and he is trustworthy. That's what it says. That big section says, For if I tell you, do not worry about your life, saying, What do you eat or what do you drink or you know, what shall I wear? Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothes? That our king, if you are in his kingdom, cares for his, his subjects. In fact, he's not just a king, he's a father. He loves us. And he says, listen, he's the creator of the universe. And doesn't the creator of the universe make sure that the world has, has pretty much what it needs? But you are so much more valuable than that. He's going to provide your needs. 
He doesn't provide the needs of those who are outside his kingdom. He doesn't do that because they're not in his kingdom. That's why the world, they're still the curse. A lot of people still barely eke out a living and then eventually die. This is the invitation to a new way of life. Once we invest in the kingdom, we say to God, you're the king. I'm going to serve you first. Everything I am and everything I have is yours. When we get to that part, when we're actually walking in the kingdom of God, guess what? We enjoy the benefits of that kingdom. And one of those benefits are God's true and real provision. This is something that pagans do not get the privilege of enjoying. But for every Christian, it is our birthright in Christ. It is amazing. And I have experienced it. Now, it doesn't mean that the day I was baptized, I woke out and I had like golden, you know, like, uh, you know, Rolls Royce in the driveway. It's not how it works. Like, there are times in my life where God has allowed the finances to run out for me to find out that God didn't run out on me. So those are the times that he set me free for the bondage of money. I do not worry about the market. The market is not my savior. My savior is on the throne and he is also my provider. And there have been times in my life when I have had zero and less than that. And God has made his provision abundant. I went through times of just brokenness financial, but I never missed a meal. I was always had a home where my, my family was always clothed, right? We had everything. We, my wife always had every bit of medication and every doctor she ever needed to see. We were never without. I was walking in the abundance of the kingdom, though from a human perspective, it was a little worrisome in the, in the walk. But I look back on it and I realized that my provision had nothing to do with what I could provide. It had very little to do with what this world or the government or anybody else can provide. I don't need to be beholden to anyone. My king has me. And all of a sudden, things began to change in my heart and my life. Long before my finances changed. And as, as I began to experience God's provision in the midst of poverty, when I see that he can overcome, do, the, do things that, that make no sense from the human perspective. When I knew that my God would not drop me, then when wealth comes, it didn't control me. And it wasn't my hope. And it didn't give me a sense of relief with if my, my savings account got bigger. And then also, if the economy does a weird thing and there's inflation and things go the other way, I don't get the knot in my stomach anymore because I've walked in the provision of my God. Because my God loves me. He is a faithful father. And it's not just financially how he cares for me. That's the smallest bit of what he does for me. Emotionally, physically, socially, spiritually. My God is a holistic Savior. So we trust in the King. And if you're going to walk in obedience to God, you want to put money in its place, you have to put God in his place first. In your heart, he's got to be king. And that's really what he finishes up with here. In that last portion, he says, you know what? Don't be of little faith. Right? You know, don't be like a pagan. What shall we eat? What we should drink? What should we wear? That's how they live. You're part of their kingdom. So how do we change? How do we put God in his place? Look at this, what he says here. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first, not last, not second, not only. That's a good thing too. So seek first God's kingdom. 
put God on the throne, put Christ on the throne, actually live like Jesus is real, that God is real, and he really is a creator, he really is a redeemer, he really is a savior, he's really your heavenly father, and trust him. And guess what? If you seek his kingdom first, his righteousness, right, above everything else, that's your first thing. It's not your only thing. It's not like you just like become a monk and you live on a mountaintop and, and just talk with God and nobody else. You can have your life. You can have friends and family. You can have a job and a career. You can have hobbies. You can have all kinds of other things. But the very first thing, the thing that comes first for us, needs to be God's kingdom. His righteousness. If we do that, God's going to finance that kind of living. That's the secret. See, the secret to financial freedom, the, the, the secret to, to financial peace, the secret to putting money in his faith, his place, to not be a master, but to be a servant, what it's supposed to be, is allowing God to be God in your life. Seek first his kingdom. Invest in his kingdom first. His righteousness above all else. Now notice that promise then. If we do that, everything will be given to you. Not earned. You don't need to be living anymore, brothers and sisters. We are now in the curse. If you are born again, you're born again. There's a new way to live. But it's not a pathway of just hedonism. It's a pathway of faithfulness in life. It's a pathway of joy. It's a pathway of investing in the eternal. It's a pathway to knowing that God is going to meet not just your present needs, but your eternal needs. That he's going to give us everything that, we, that we're supposed to have and more. There's a different way of living. And so... If the kingdom lifestyle begins with putting money in his face. I'll tell you, here's the story of how it happened for me and Amy. Because it didn't happen when I first became a Christian. Like I said, I had a pretty unhealthy relationship with money. I went through a time where I was, I was really... In fact, I, not only did I have a bad relationship with money, I thought it was a bad thing. I thought that good Christians shouldn't care about it. I really did. I thought this is not something... It's a bad thing. It's worldly. If I focus on money, it be worldly. And you know what happened? Is, is I made a lot of really bad financial decisions, which put me in a place where I was poor. I, I spent poorly. I didn't think about it well. I just, I just didn't have any skills with it. In fact, I had such a bad attitude about money. I thought anybody who had those good skills was probably a worldly person and God didn't love them as much as me. Clearly. So I went from there with all of that arrogance... And all of that poverty, and then all of the, the, the stress that comes with it, through a, a loving time in which God began to challenge me in my spirit. And this very same thing is, is I realized that my life was being dominated by money. I was not able to do things I felt God called me to do, and I was so frustrated. Why? Well, it wasn't that he wasn't providing for me, and I wasn't using the resources he made. See, I thought that when it said Jesus said you can't serve both God and money, that means that money must be the enemy. Money's not the devil. It's a servant. It's a horrible master. But it's a great servant. And God wants us to dominate those things. So that you have dominion over the world. That's what he called us to do. Including the wealth. So the first thing that I did that brought me this path is I began to focus on the kingdom. And I did. I started tipping God whenever Pastor Scott would give a good sermon. I was like, well done. I'm a little convicted. That was good. Cha-ching. But then there came a time when the Holy Spirit in my heart was saying, you know, you should give more regularly. You know, not just when it's about you, because maybe there's somebody else here who needed to hear that message. You should probably support that. So I got into a habit, like every Sunday, whatever was in my pockets. Because back then we had this stuff called cash. The young ones you talk to your parents about, it's cool stuff. 
and whatever in my pockets, like when I would go into the office. But then I found after a while that every Saturday night I'd go through my pockets and make sure that there wasn't too much in there. And so to fight that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get proportion. So I started big, I was 1%. And whatever would come in, I started giving. But here's how I did it, I did it at the end of the month. If I had 1% left at the end of the month, then I'd give it to God. But that never worked, because I always ran out of money before then. So then I started, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this first, because Patrick's got challenged me this sermon on this, and I was feeling convicted. I'm like, all right, Andy, we're gonna do 1% at first. I don't know how it's gonna work. So we tried that, and then we got in big trouble because I didn't know how to budget. I didn't spend the rest of my money well. So I did this 1% first, and it got miraculously did some work to help us with it, but I had a lot of hard time with that. And, but eventually I got used to that 1%, and we got used to spending with less, and then I did 2%, and 3%, and 4%, and 5%, and 6%, and then 7%, and then we had 9%, and we just skipped eight altogether because we were really faithful that, that time. Eventually we did the, the tithes, and even after a tithe, eventually came forth that, that in our hearts that God has called Amy and I to just slowly become more and more generous as we But in order to do that, in order to grow, as we grew in faithfulness and put his kingdom first, we became better stewards of God's money. See, see it, it's a servant. It's something that God made. I want to make money subservient to him and his kingdom. Which means I have to learn how to... to to control this powerful and rascally thing called money. It's, it's a tool there, it's called a budget. It sounds so boring, but it's like a bullwhip. It's fantastic. It puts you in power over, I became a good steward of God's resources. And then I became a better representative. Like how much came in and how much was going out, where was it gonna go? And I'd say, money, you're not going there. I don't want you to go there, you stop going there. Money, stop. That's what my buds told me to do. Right? I began to have control over things that God had, had, had given me power over. It changed the dynamic entirely. And so for you today, it's not just about giving to the kingdom. It's, it's putting God first. And if you put God first, yes, you're going to invest in the kingdom. But that's the first step. Get all the way to the other end and make your entire life everything about putting Jesus on the throne. Take what the time, the talent, the things that he's given us and make those things subservient to build his kingdom first. Grow in your ability to control the things that he's given us dominion over and then you're walking in the power of God's kingdom. And that's real financial peace. So how do you walk in that? Well, you have your own box. Some of you were blessed. You had parents maybe who taught you those things. Maybe you're just naturally a nerd. I don't know. Right? But there are, there are ways in the body of Christ we grow in this. Right? That God's going to give us the ability. He's not going to give you more than you can trust you with. Right? He's a good father. But if you become more and more skilled at controlling money, he's not going to give you money to control you. But as you become better at it, to a little given, he's been faithful, you're going to have more. Right? He's going to be able to trust us in this. Not just so that you can have wealth, but the kingdom of God can grow. And that's what it needs to do. So, there are some next steps that I have for you on your connection cards that are going to help you apply what Jesus told us to do. And the first thing is, I don't want to, I, I know this is a shorter message, but we have barbecue and you know, it's going to be good. But on the back side here, there's some things I want you to do. I want you to read Luke 18, 18 through 30, but also Luke 21, 1 through 4. And he said, Aaron, those are some oddly specific verses. I know. Read them and find out why. But I think you're going to find in there kind of a difference, maybe. A comparison of what it looks like when money is in control of you versus when you get to be in control of money. 
with kingdom purpose. Something else that we have in there is, why don't you meditate on Matthew 7, 24? Right? This said, therefore, this is our, our anchor verse for the series. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built their house on a rock. Jesus doesn't want you to have your financial house built on sand. He doesn't want you to be a slave to your finances any longer. He wants you to have stability and strength. So how does this apply to you? Where are you today? And how do you grow in, in investing in God's kingdom? You know, maybe it is in starting just to invest in His kingdom. Right? Maybe it's, it's to focus on God's kingdom. If you're struggling, maybe it's because you're putting your focus on worldly things. And that's where your desire is. What you can have in this world. Focus on the kingdom first. Uh, maybe for you, if you've been serving money so long, you say, you know what? I'm going to start making decisions about what's faithful first. Maybe I'm not going to miss church so I can go to work. That's, that's one. Putting God first. Maybe it's that I'm going to start giving to God first in my life. In fact, that would be the next one is to put money in this place. Right? And then one thing you can do is to begin tithing. That's the whole point. Tithing is not the last 10%. It's the first 10%. And the reason it's the first 10% because it's an appeal to God. It's saying, God, I'm trusting you more than this money. I'm trusting you and I'm investing in your kingdom. And where my treasures, my heart will be also. And I want to see your kingdom. So I'm going to start looking for it because my money's there. Right? So I want to see what your kingdom is doing. It will change you. Maybe that's where you begin. And if you never tithe, I tell you, it's... And it's a challenge, but also, if you've never tithed before, and you've never really worked on your financial skills, it's going to be kind of hard. Like, just like with your, your time, a lot of people can't manage their time to, to honor God and, and to minister to Him. They're like, I'm too busy. Well, no, you're not too busy. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. What it is, is you're not managing your time right to be able to invest in God's kingdom first. That's the issue. So what do you need to do? Learn how to manage your time. Same thing with the tithe. If you want to be able to put God first, we want to give you the skills to do that. And that's why our church here, uh, we also offer a financial peace university class taught by one of our elders. He's on our financial team, uh, Keith Pearson. If you want to learn how to have the skills to be able to, to put money in its place, to be able to manage it well with a godly understanding, then I encourage you. If you haven't done this before, it, it, will change, it changed me in Amy's life. It gave me the ability not just to tithe, but to do it in such a way that, that I can see God's blessing on the other side of it. It was 10 weeks. It's an investment, but it is, it is amazing. And if you haven't done this, it's going to be starting up this, uh, this fall. It's on Wednesday nights, uh, September 13th to, 11th to November uh, 15th. It's going to be there. Um, it's going to be online, but if we get enough interest, we might be able to do it together too as a group. If you're interested in starting that, this is a free sign-up. So if you sign up on this, make sure you put your email on there so when, when everything goes for sign-up, we'll get you the, the link so you can get registered for that. But this is another tool to be able to put money in its place. How do you do that? The biggest thing, the most important thing is to put God in His place. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear that. If you want to put money in His place, put God in His place first. Your entire world comes into balance when God is at the center. We worship Him with our time, our talent, our, our money, and everything, right? So if you're here today and maybe your commitment is this, where you need to be, and you just know that you're just off kilter because God is not the center of your life, make that commitment. Start setting worship in the spirit of truth. And if you're here today and you've never come to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, well, what a great day to be here. Because He's invited you to a better kingdom. He's invited you to be set free from the bondage of things. He's, he's invited you to live for something so much more than just the temporary stuff that, that takes up the hearts and the minds and the, the anxieties of so many who live around us. You can live a better life for bigger things. 
And we enter that kingdom where we are saved from, from ourselves and our depravity and the small living by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, the Lord and Savior. Express that through our belief, through our confession, through our repentance, our baptism, through, through being part of a healthy church, through being disciples. But there's a better life for you. So if you need to make that decision, I encourage you to let me know after the service. Everyone else, uh, I encourage you, Mark, let me know what your convictions are on this connection card. In this moment, we're going to take our offering. As we do, I invite you to drop this offering in the basket as it passed, right? And make this your first commitment back to God. Uh, putting God on the throne, the very first act, the first decision this week. What a great way to start the commitment. And then after that, I'll pray through. I'm going to take the offering, and then I want you to stick around. And I'm going to pre-pray also for the food. Because we have a lot of food that are here, and I'd like to stick around and get the chances to fellowship a little bit with each other and enjoy some, some good things. All right? So let's, let's pray. Father God. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you uh, gave us dominion back over this the broken world, including uh, this this incredible, uh, amazing, and powerful and yet scary uh, tool that you made on money. Lord, I know you're not jealous of it, but Lord, oftentimes uh, we put it in the wrong place in our heart. And it, it just dominates us. We see how it dominates this world, and there's a lot of evil that happens because of that. We don't want that evil in our life. We're grateful you've given us a different way, a better way. But God, help us to put you at the, at the center of our hearts. We put you on the throne of our lives, God. We, we pray that, that for each one of us, you would, your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom to show us uh, what are the ways that we can take next steps of financial faithfulness that we can walk in the freedom that Jesus talks about right here in the Sermon on the Mount. Father, you are a provider. And I know that there are some here today that are walking through a dark valley and they just maybe not see you. But I, Father, I pray that you turn their eyes to you, the, the King of life. That they would fill their heart and soul with hope, with peace, with the knowledge that they seek you first and your righteousness above everything else. That you will provide for their needs and you will love them. But Father, for those who just need a little more encouragement or skill, give them the courage to take that next step of learning how to budget and to finance and to join a financial peace university. But for all of us, God, we pray that we would worship you and honor you fully with everything we have, with everything we are. And Father, we also pray that today as uh, we close, we would... Uh, Lord, that uh, this, this time of fellowship, you bless the meal and fellowship and all of the, the time that we have together, that it would be something that you would join us in and it would be honored to you. We pray all this in the beautiful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, ushers, you can come around and uh, everybody else would you stand with us as we close out our service with one more song.
support you and give you his peace. You are dismissed, but stick around and have some food with us. <laughs>